Have you fallen down the cottage industry rabbit hole yet? Well, if not, buckle up, Alice, and click on over to the description in the show notes and sign up. Then you can get ready for the most fun induction into the cult of all things yarn and fiber. This will include, but not limited to, free yarn, free ebooks, patterns, coupons, and much more. You don't want to miss out. listening to Crime Coffee and Crafts, a podcast featuring two crafty besties who love true crime and a good cup of joe. Hey, amateur sleuths. I'm Kristen. And I'm Heidi. Look at Kristen's background. It's so spectacular. If you're not watching, she's got a whole bunch of sunflowers, y'all. Aren't they pretty? They're beautiful. There's a spot in our area that has a whole giant flower field of sunflowers. And they just opened up this week. So my mom and my oldest uh, went and they picked some. Nice. Well, they give, you know, a dollar a stem. Right. Yeah, aren't they pretty? Yeah, I love them. Bad. I want to go do that. I'm going to look it up in my area. Because there are flower there farms There are here. flower farms everywhere. And they should be in full bloom right now. So you yes. should have planted my own, but whatever. I plant, we planted them last year and they didn't grow on my farm. And I don't know why. Birds sad. Squirrels. Probably. I guarantee it. They went. And they were like, hmm, fresh ground. I got two stems. Yeah. That was it. That's the problem we have is squirrels dig up our stuff. So Yeah. My produce uh, garden is thriving. So we have put a fence around and Mm -hmm. all that. Oh, this is a side note. Okay. Um, Bumblefoot. Have you dealt with Bumblefoot yet? No, because our property is very well drained that's good i'm sorry i had to deal with one yeah it's not good she's she's doing great okay i cleaned it i did it medically how they said to do it yeah i performed chicken surgery y'all that's rough so i'm just gonna tell people bumblefoot happens when there's not good drainage in an area like flatland is normally the problem with chickens because it just holds water and it stays wet yeah. Thankfully, we are on a hill where we live, so like the water runs out, and they always have a dry spot up in the back. So right now it's real watery because we're yeah. raining a lot. Yeah. But we have um, we have put down better area for them to run around. Good. Um, but yeah, so she got an abscess, and yeah. I had it's to sad. She's doing great though. Yeah, she's doing good. great. She's her foot's I I dressed it really well and I've been cleaning it. So she, next next luckily time. she's not a 
I want pictures. A wild, wild one. I just want pictures of her foot wrapped because that's so cute. <laughs> I have to clean the dressing again today, so Fantastic. I'll put a new dressing on it. Very nice. Anyway, chicken problems. Yeah. Luckily. They said it, they said it would be fun. <laughs> oh. It is fun. Kristen loves um, her chickens as much <clears throat> as I do. I think you love your chickens more than I do. I don't, I mean, I sit out with mine for a couple hours. Yeah. Every day if I can. <laughs> I don't anymore because they're all locked up and I'm like, oh, poor chickens. Well, I have been letting mine come out in the evenings. Okay. I mean, yeah. And yeah. I try not to do that right now. You have nasty wild animals we've, we've got a new fox in town oh great and i think it's a family because i heard it scream and i was like is that a yeti maybe <laughs> i already told this story on the podcast but like it scared me and i was like is bigfoot here because it the way it screamed was Ooh. really interesting and i looked up the sound and it was their alarm bark yeah to let to let like somebody know somebody's coming right so, middle of the day crazy Anyway, coffee. I had a local one this time. <laughs> well, local-ish. It's in Ish. the southeastern region okay. of the world where I live. All right. <laughs> um, it's called Casablanca. And they have a roast. They roast it next door to their coffee shop. Oh, awesome. And this one is uh, a Guatemala blend. And it's got sorry oh she's needs her glasses hi uh orange (laughs) chocolate and maple Ooh, that sounds delicious it is it's a lighter coffee less acidic um i enjoy it but it's not a strong it's not super super dark not super yeah yeah lighter than Um, what you normally drink yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And the I love their box, their boxes, their um their artwork, but I'm sad because their decaf is the one that has the best artwork on it and it's like a cherry with a skull on like like the skull is the cherry and I originally <laughs> picked that one up not thinking that it was decaf and um david was like uh that's decaf i was like oh no i don't drink decaf obviously look Um, at your shirt death before decaf so he went and exchanged it for me oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) i was too embarrassed to go back (laughs) that is hysterical he's like she bought it for the label (laughs) <laughs> not realizing it was decaf yep that is really funny yeah i'm a mess guys mm, i wouldn't go that far don't mind me i'm gonna ask you a couple questions oh yes i'm so horror, excited horror trivia yes um what movie features an alien hunter hiding in the jungle using trees and camouflage Predator? Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Good job. <laughs> awesome. 
Um, this one is kind of a campy one, but what Wayans Brothers parody series used the title that Wes Craven initially wanted for his slasher film, Scream? Scary movie. Y'all, y'all. Hell yeah. Those are funny movies, too. They are. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was the host in the Tales from the Crypt TV series? Fuck. I don't know. The Crypt Keeper. Well, yeah, it was okay. It was the Crypt Keeper, but like. It was like a puppet. Yeah. Thingy. Creepy, creepy. He creepy. was, he was. And they always played that show. Like, I love that. The night. I love that show. It's streaming. <gasps> I'm totally going to start. what it's streaming on. I'm going to find it. You find I, it. I really loved that show. And the the episodes were like campy but still creepy you know yes it had a good balance i think everything was campy back then though true nothing was really scary yeah um except i don't know when tales from the crypt came out i think it was the 90s i have to look it up Let's see. Oh, just grabbing giant artwork. The crypt. All right, I'm looking it up. 1989? Oh. Yeah, so. So, I mean, 90s, I was close. Yeah, close enough. Close enough. That's so funny. Apparently, it was based on a comic series. Yes, there was a um, graphic novel. Yeah. Comic book. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was a good show. All right. It was. So we digress. All the time. I'm going to share a painting I did. This one is very near and dear to me because it reminds me of the California desert. And I called it the painted desert. Ooh. It is a 24 by 30 canvas. Oh, it's like one of my largest pieces. Damn. I need to like stand up for that one. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's beautiful. Yep. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So bright. I love it. Yay. Oh. So. Sometimes I miss the desert. I do. I miss sometimes, it a lot. Sometimes. I miss skateboarding in the desert. Yes. On those like hilly roads where like there's never any cars. Yeah. <sighs> My parents had a house out there, you know. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. sold it last year. Yep. Good no time. longer have a house out there. Good time to sell though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> all right yeah. so that was all the fun stuff yeah yay <laughs> <laughs> um this is a tough one guys i'm not gonna lie it's a hard one and i am gonna be a little detailed so just forewarning um this one has child murder and sexual assault and rape Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. 
Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Hold on to your butts. I've got crochet. Ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to show it because it's for my next. For your next, next one. So. Um, well, this one is the Moore's Murders. And if you don't know what a moor is, it's a track of open country that may be either dry with health, with heather and associated vegetation or wet with an acid peat vegetation. And in the British Isles, moorland is often used to describe uncultivated hilly areas. If wet, a moor is generally synonymous with a bog. Moors. So, England. I... Yeah, I think yeah. I know this one, but I'm really excited you're telling it because it's a doozy. Yeah, I I really went deep in this one and it's a tough one to shake. So, yeah. um, so you know how sometimes we talk about normal serial killers and whatever that really means. Yeah, whatever <laughs> that really means, but yeah. Well, today, this is an interesting story about a couple who decided to murder children together. Yep. Yep. It's not it's not a pretty story. That's some so shit. I as I warned before, you know, the child murder and rape is pretty awful. So <clears throat> excuse me. So how did this happen? Why were they dubbed the Moore's murders? Why did the two decide to murder together and who were the culprits? The despicable, awful culprits. They're evil pure pure unadulterated evil <clears throat> so let me clear my throat let me clear my throat i couldn't help it ah! <laughs> um when i was coming up with an idea for a new story i was thinking what could i do we're in july so i decided to look at who what murderers were born in July? Oh, look at you. So my search came up with Myra Hindley. Yeah. She was born July 23rd, 1942. Fucking bitch shares fucking birthday with my husband. But not only that, <sighs> my brother Nathaniel and our friend JT or what? Jason, aka the Boredom Report mastermind i mean i call him by his last name still but meadows i can't yeah. help it it's who I, I, I know i know but um if anyone doesn't yeah. will follow the boredom report yes because he gives all the cool deets on all things food and beer and wine in mexico and, mostly baja and, and he is a He's making wine and beer now. And he's the funniest motherfucker that I've ever oh, met in my entire yeah. life. Still to this day. He's hilarious. And he loves um, uh, Mexican wrestling. Well, duh. I mean, come on. So if you're into that stuff, go uh, check out his videos. Yeah. Check out his page. Yes. There's your little shout out, Meadows. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's got more followers than we do. I know, but still. Um, so mind you, they none of none of the people in our lives were actually born in that year. 
but on the month and day. Um, So after looking up Myra, I also found that she and her boyfriend, Ian Brady, who was born January 2nd, 1938, got together and went on a little two-year disgusting journey together. What? (gasps) Terrible human beings. Yeah. I'm like stress stress crocheting right now. Like not kidding. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Sometimes these stories are a little rough. It's okay. Carry on. So Myra was born to parents Nellie and Bob Hindley and raised in Gorton, which is a town in Manchester, England. A lot of folks know of Manchester, England because of soccer. Right. A lot of football hooligans come from Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Myra's father was a horrible drunk and he was violent to his wife and children and often abused them. Their family home was in poor condition as well. And things got worse after Myra's younger sister was born in 1946. And her name is Maureen. Um, At five years old, Myra went and lived with her grandmother, uh, but they lived close by to her parents and sister, so they still interacted, and um, I'm not quite sure why she was living there, except that maybe the grandmother took on the financial responsibility of Myra um, to help ease the financial responsibility of having the second child. Right. But they were still involved. And when Myra, um, Myra's dad, he had served in World War II. Okay. And he was a tough man. He was a violent man. And he wanted his daughters to be equally tough. Um, He didn't have boys, so he focused all of his attention on his girls, obviously, but in a different way. Sounds like not healthy way. Right. And he said, he insisted that they learn how to take care of themselves and be independent and not have anyone beat them up without a fight. Which, I mean... Right. It, That's not terrible, but it's the way you go about it that could be really bad. Right. And when Myra was just eight years old, a boy had scratched her face and she ran home crying to her father. And oh. her father stated that if she did not find the boy and beat him up, that she would get whipped with a strap or leather, as he called it. She was forcibly put into fighting, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. So she found the boy and beat him up in the street after pushing him to the ground she ran home and was congratulated by her father so as a child she learned that this was acceptable behavior so and you and i know that violence doesn't help solve anything it might make people feel better about themselves in the moment but violence should never be the go-to action it makes them feel tough and it makes them feel like they're better than the other person it's right that's not okay yeah yeah so as she got older Myra learned to take care of herself because that's what her father told her she needed to do she also took judo lessons in town 
but due to her violent nature, a lot of the other students would not train with her. So she kind of fell away from it because she would go to class and no one would work with her because she was because she was a dirty fighter yeah and she wouldn't once she got her grip she would never let go and so she was hurting people past what you're supposed to in martial arts and that's what I mean about dirty fighter if anybody doesn't know what that means you don't follow the rules of the fighting that's not okay right um she also uh from the time she was like 17 she like would get a job and work a couple months and then she'd um be fired or let go she never really stuck with anything for long okay um she also had short courtships with boys and until ian brady she never felt like the other boys could give her what she was looking for in life she felt the other boys were immature and not strong enough to live a life with her I hate to say it but that resonates with me (laughs) (laughs) I think I think she had somewhat good intentions but they drew her into a bad place right um so now we have ian brady he was born in glasgow scotland to an unmarried waitress named waitress waitress i mean it's okay (laughs) um she was named margaret stewart but went by peggy she had said that uh ian's father was a reporter working for the newspaper but had died months before brady was born or before ian was born oh so due to peggy being a single mom and not able to care for her son she gave ian to a couple named mary and john sloan and they had already had four children of their own wow so Yes, they were financially taking care of him for his necessities, but I don't, they weren't really there for him. Right. A roof and some clothes and food. But we will care for him, but we will not show him. There's too many other kids of their own to. It's hard to get that attention. Yeah. So throughout his childhood, his mother would visit him, but he became a child who had violent tendencies and often torture animals which we know leads to i mean a lot of times that's a sign for serial killer yeah well digression sorry did you guys see in the news recently that there were a bunch of dead animals in trash bags behind an apartment building in georgia i think it was in georgia I, I'll have to find it. I don't know if I... Dude. That's crazy. Yeah, the people in the neighborhood are freaking out because they... I mean, I would think that there's probably a serial killer also, but or a budding serial killer. Yeah. Someone right. taking out the trash and evidence yep. anyway. to cover for someone else, possibly. You just reminded me of it, so... Nice. Yikes. Lovely. Yeah. And it's Georgia, so... Who knows? <clears throat> um, 
he Ian ended up going in front of the juvenile court twice for what they called housebreaking. It's a criminal law and the act of entering a building as a trespasser for an unlawful purpose. And in 1968, it was changed to burglary. Yeah. So back then it was, at that time, it was housebreaking. Interesting. At first, when I read it, I was like, he's having trouble being housebroken. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, is he a cat? (laughs) Are we having trouble urinating in the toilet? Yeah, confused. (laughs) (laughs) But it is not that. It is that he broke into homes. Um, After going to juvenile court a couple times, he really did try and have a somewhat normal childhood. And at 15, he got his first job as what they called a T-boy in a shipyard. And then a butcher's messenger boy. So I think those are terms nice. for gophers, you know, right. like, yeah, go for this, go for that. Um, but during this time, he had a girlfriend named Evelyn Grant, and that quickly ended because he threatened her with a knife because she Jeez. went to a dance with another boy. And that was Ugh. when he was 15. Yikes. Yeah. So he went back to juvenile court with another nine charges before he was 17. So I guess that incident with the girlfriend kind of pushed him forward to doing other things. Right. They don't really talk about it much, but um, he, before his 17th birthday, he was placed on probation. And one of the stipulations For his probation, a condition was that he had to go live with his mother. And she was living in Manchester. Okay. So that's how we get from Scotland to England. And she was married to an Irish fruit merchant named Patrick Brady. And this is how Ian became a Brady. Oh, got it. (laughs) Yup, yup. Nice. so for a couple years Ian got into some trouble but he wanted to do better for himself he always seemed it it, it, during my research and everything it seemed like he was trying to be doing the right thing but always got himself into bad situations and acted out violently right so I'm not sure what the disconnect was but I kind of wonder if he's just like his full evil side hasn't like really come out yet. Right. But it's growing. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. So he was trying to stay out of trouble. He wanted to do better. So he learned how to become a bookkeeper and he would study for hours alone in his room and stayed out of trouble. Hmm. In 1959, he got a clerical job at Millward's, which was a wholesale chemical distribution company based in Gorton, which was where Myra was living and had grown up. Right. So this brings us to them being now in the same town. Yeah. In Ian's downtime, he read a lot of books, but geared his reading towards the Nazis. Oh, fuck. German language books, and he read Mein Kampf. 
course he did. Yeah. <sighs> Two years later, he stayed in that job. And in 1961, 18 year old Myra got a job at Millwards as a typist. So they were now working together in the same oh. office because he was a bookkeeper, she was a typist. All right. She became infatuated with Ian and wrote often about him in her diary. But it would take almost a whole year for Ian to ask Myra out on a date to the movies. Wow. So they worked together a whole year. She was writing all goobly gobbly in her diary like was, young girls do, I guess. Probably his accent. It was like heavy Scottish. Probably. You know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so Ian continued to court Myra and they had a regular dating pattern of going to the movies often watching more at the time x-rated movies but they okay. weren't like the x-rated movies of today people kissed <gasps> they showed leg oh my gosh they saw an ankle <laughs> sorry oh there's a shoulder get that shoulder um, <laughs> so they would go to those kinds of movies and then go to myra's house to drink german wine she was still living with grandma. She lived with grandma the whole time. <clears throat> Disturbing. Ian would give her reading material and the couple would spend their lunch breaks reading aloud to one another, which sounds like a lovely time. It's cute, but not cute. But it's not. No. And they're, they were usually reading about Nazi atrocities. So. I mean, it's one thing to learn about those things for historical purposes just so you know but like it's another when you're like fantasizing those things yep and myra started to appear in the ideal aryan perfection by bleaching her hair blonde and wearing a very red lipstick she would wear high boots and short skirts and leather jackets sounds cute and this is kind of a mod era you what know, year are we in? Uh, 61. Hell yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So she was, you know. When you say short skirts, you mean like, holy shit, short. Because that era. Yeah. It was mini, mini. Yeah. They were definitely right under the butt cheeks. Awesome. So she also went as far to write letters. And in one letter, she wrote, within months, he had convinced me that there was no God at all. He could have told me that the earth was flat. The moon was made of green cheese and the sun rose in the West. I would have believed him. Such was his power of persuasion. Sorry, you're making me laugh because so many people believe those things, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <sighs> By the way. Uh, if the moon was made of green cheese, I'd probably die with all the emanating. The particles would get you. Yep. <clears throat> the couple became increasingly codependent so far as to become less sociable to their colleagues. Okay. Um, they regularly went to the library and borrowed books on philosophy, crime, and torture. And he moved in with her at her grandma's house so they were living 
at grandma's together living in sin yeah all right i guess grandma was cool with it they don't really talk much about grandma's maybe grandma didn't know (laughs) maybe grandma was dementia i don't i don't really know we have no clue um the they regularly um okay myra got her driver's license right okay it took three failed attempts for her to finally pass the fourth time or whatever but they would regularly rent a van and drive around and Hmm. fantasize about bank robberies about doing bank robberies yikes dude um myra also joined a pistol club and although she found that she was a terrible shot like she could not hit the target for anything she ended up purchasing two guns from members of the club one was a webley 45 caliber and the other was a smith and wesson 38 caliber so now they get in this van and they run around town pretending like they're gonna rob a bank and and she's armed and has a terrible shot yeah so it just sounds like a horribly terrible time this is not going anywhere it's very dangerous um <clears throat> the couple never went anywhere with the idea of doing any bank robberies but they seem to have fun planning them out okay they also started photography as a hobby and would take photos of each other that were for that time considered explicit I wonder so, what they were taking photos of that were explicit. The photo, yeah, they don't have any real, I mean, to me, they don't look explicit. They have photos of her sitting in his lap in a chair or her. Um, it was inappropriate. In the open fields. For yeah, the time. At the time, it was inappropriate. Yeah. Um, they also created their own dark room for developing the photographs so at grandma's i guess they made a closet into a dark room and would develop their photos um through this photography myra developed a better self-confidence um whereas before she was shy and some would say a bit of a prude interesting so ian helped open her up to yeah yeah um so again hold on to your butts (sighs) i'm I'm gonna hold on to my butt (laughs) (laughs) or have someone hold on to your butt (laughs) (laughs) oh where's ben oh yeah he's smoking meat he is he's smoking meat today um so July of 1963. So they have developed this two-year relationship. They're pretty strong, pretty codependent, reading all the time, just getting their whole lives in line with each other. So Ian decides to confess to Myra that he wants to commit the perfect murder. Okay, Myra should have just turned the other way and ran but no. But he could convince her that the world was flat. Yep. And the moon was made of green cheese. 
I mean, delicious cheese. <laughs> so Ian decided that Myra would drive a van while he followed on his motorcycle. And if he saw a victim that he wanted to pursue, he would flash his headlights. Okay. He wanted his first victim to be an eight-year-old neighbor of Myra's mother, but Myra decided not to stop for that one. Because I guess to her, she said that someone would expect an eight-year-old to have a lot of support and it would be easier for them to get caught. So she was like, no, we're not taking the eight-year-old. Yeah. So the second person he flashes lights for was a 16-year-old girl named Pauline Reed. She happened to be a girl who went to school with Myra's younger sister, Maureen. And while while the girl was on the way to a dance, she was walking. Um, Myra offered the young girl a ride. And once she was in the van, Myra asked her to help her search for her lost glove at Saddleworth Moor. Shit. The girl agreed, and Myra drove down to the moor with Ian arriving behind them on his motorcycle. Ian took the poor girl down further, down further down the moor, while Myra stood back at the van. Ian returned about 30 minutes later and took Myra to the spot where the, um, the young lady was lay dying okay ian had cut her throat nearly decapitating her and her clothes were all over the place when myra asked ian if he had raped the girl his response was of course i did how dare you ask me that of course i did i mean yikes dude yeah so myra says she did not participate in the incident just helped bury the body but in later in testimony says that she was not only present for the attack but participated in the sexual assault i don't understand how people can be that kind of couple or do those kinds of crimes or like person period like be that kind of couple is just so extra creepy to me yeah I mean, let's just put it this way. The whole age-old story of Bonnie and Clyde being the greatest I, romantic story of I all. I think it's is the like, stupidest thing it's to crazy it to yeah. me. It's, that is not a healthy relationship that no. is toxic and volatile and yes. awful. and It's fucking stupid. It's not healthy, guys. Not healthy. Yeah. If your partner is telling you to commit criminal acts, especially against other people, let alone children... I would like say something, um, yeah. get out of it. That's yep. You know, lots of red flags. Lots nine, of nine one one. Yeah, exactly. So, <sighs> anywho, um, that they they buried her, um, and she wasn't found for years later. Shit. Um, in November 1963, so we went from July to now November, okay. Ian and Myra offered a 12-year-old boy named John Kilbride a ride home by promising him a bottle of sherry. Using the same ruse as the first victim, 
Myra asked if he would help them search for the glove she had lost on the moor. Once they arrived at the moor, Ian took the young boy, sexually assaulted him, and tried to slit his throat with a knife before strangling him with a shoelace. What? It's interesting because they don't have a type. Right. It's just vulnerable people. Right. Gosh. Yeah. So the following year in June of 1964, Myra asked 12-year-old boy named Keith Bennett to help her load some boxes into the van. The boy said he would help and once in the van asked if they would look for a lost glove at the moor. So exact same MOs. Yeah, it's the same story every but time. But different, different victims yeah although this one is the same as the lot you know right 12 year old boys but um once they got to the moor ian left with the boy for about 30 minutes and again sexually assaulted and strangled him with a piece of string also i should say that in between these murders the couple that was their hangout spot Jeez. They would go down there and take photos and um, they would just drink wine and just hang out. That was just the place that they went to hang out. So and crazy. later on, later on, like a, ye- uh, a year into this, Maureen, uh, Myra's sister, was married to a man named Dave Smith. And they all kind of had double dates at the moor. And they would joke about, um, like, Dave and Ian would secretly talk about um, possibly doing bank robberies and such. What's wrong with these people? Yeah. Honestly. So that was what they would do in their downtime between murders. in December, they, they seem to go like um, four to six months in between each murder. Okay. And in, 19, in December 1964, Myra and Ian went to a fair in a town called Ancott's. And they noticed a 10-year-old girl named Leslie Ann Downing who seemed to be alone. So the couple went to the girl and purposefully dropped some groceries in front of her and asked if she could help them carry the items to their vehicle. They drove her to their home because they got her in the van. I think they said that they would give her a ride home or something if they helped. And um, instead they drove her to their home, mind you, with grandma. I don't know where grandma's at, but this all happened at grandma's house where they're I'm, living. Yeah, I wonder if grandma's like deaf, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. Did hearing aids exist yet? I don't think so. I don't think so, but I, I don't know. Yeah. So they drove her to their home, undressed her, gagged her, forcibly posed her for photographs before she was raped and killed. Jeez. 
Now, they believe that she was strangled with a piece of string like the other right. two before. Myra claims that she went to draw a bath, and when she came back, the girl was dead. But Ian claims that Myra killed the little girl. So the stories are... I feel like Myra is a piece of shit liar. <laughs> and just doesn't want to admit it to herself. Yeah, I think in testimonies back and forth, she says that she was you know persuaded by ian and right. would do anything that he asked her to do and i'm just a girl i'm just a girl I in the world i couldn't do all that like that <laughs> yeah so the following morning the couple drove her body to the saddleworth moor and buried her naked with her clothes at her feet in a shallow grave so that's four bodies buried at the moor. The Fuck. same area. <sighs> Moving almost a whole year. Wow. In October 1965. Now, I, I feel like because they, they connected them to other missing children... Okay. I feel like there are unsolved cases oh, in here for like, sure for their span of absence, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of information well, about For all that. we know, they could have been traveling to another freaking country. Right. Driving. You know what I mean? Like it was easy. It was easy. So and they had good jobs, so they had yeah, money. Exactly. And they lived with grandma, so like they didn't have rent yeah. or a mortgage. Right. In October of 1965, Myra drove Ian to the Manchester Central train station and waited in a vehicle while Ian selected another victim. Ian found 17-year-old Edward Evans, Ooh. who was an apprentice engineer. He Ian introduced um Myra as his sister to the boy because this interaction with the victim was to be a little different and Ian claims that he picked him up for a sexual encounter and so the couple took him to their home and drank wine with him okay they relaxed over a little wine During this, Ian had Myra go get her brother-in-law, who I said earlier was one that they befriended and was talking about bank robberies, doing bank robberies with. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure why they decided to involve the brother-in-law, but it might have been to throw off any idea that they were the ones killing these kids Mm -hmm. um dave had a checkered past and it had some run-ins with the law but so did um ian right so i don't know really what their thinking was behind all this but um maybe they thought he could be a good scapegoat right yeah probably um but dave recalls myra shouting dave help him very loud so like 
if anyone was listening, they would hear his name. Right. Um, So he ran in the house and saw the young man lying with his head and shoulders on the couch and his legs on the floor. He was facing upwards. And Ian stood over him while the boy was still screaming. He had a hatchet in his hand. And he was holding it above his head. And he hit the boy on the left side of his head with the hatchet. I heard the blow. It was a terrible hard blow. It sounded horrible, Dave said. He also said that he watched Ian hit him with an electrical cord. And after the struggle, Ian had sprained his ankle and they couldn't move the body. So they wrapped the boy in plastic sheeting and put him in the spare bedroom. Yikes. Until they could. Until Ian's ankle was better. I guess, yeah, because Dave couldn't lift the body by himself, and I guess Myra wasn't going to help him. Well, Myra, if you're going to be involved in shit like this, maybe (laughs) you should be more helpful, you prude. (laughs) Good God. Also, don't kill people. Seriously. Anyways, Dave agreed to come back the following morning to help transport the body and dispose of it at the moor. But this was all a ruse because instead he arrived home at three o'clock in the morning and had his wife, Maureen, which was Myra's sister, make him some tea. And then he proceeded to vomit and explained to her what happened. Oh God. So he told his wife what he just witnessed and what he was a part of. So at approximately six o'clock in the morning, three hours later, he went to a phone box and called the police. Good, good, good. He was picked up and taken to the Hyde police station where he told officers what had happened that night. But it seems it had been a tough uh, interview and investigation at the beginning because... Um, the cops seemed to think that it was actually Dave that committed the crime. Okay. Um, they did bring Myra and Ian in for questioning, but due to their joie de vie, I guess you could say they were, you know, intelligent, could speak properly. They at the time convinced them that Dave was the one who who had committed the crime. Don't they know serial killers? I mean, they didn't even know what a serial killer was at the time because that term had not been coined yet. No, but like not until the eighties. They're normally very intelligent. Right. Uh, Oh gosh. But even though they tried to blame Dave and put everything on him, the cops did go further because they were still like this office was investigating this particular crime, Mm -hmm. but another division was investigating the missing children and those detectives were still trying to find where these kids had gone And so hearing news of this, they somehow got a warrant 
to search the apartment that they lived okay. in with grandma. Yes. Yeah. So through the search of the home and all the evidence that came to light, they realized that Ian and Myra were the ones involved and had done the atrocious acts. Yikes. But good. They found photograph evidence of the one girl that they dressed up or Mm -hmm. like undressed and, and did child pornography of. In their apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And they found train ticket stubs so oh my God. of of the places they went right so they linked them to these other missing children that's awesome um the head investigator also found photographs of them at the moor so they went and did a search of the moor okay um once at the moor, they found shallow graves of the missing children. But not all of them. They only mm-hmm. found, they only had three bodies. Well, the one that was at their apartment. Right. And then they found two others at the moor. They uh-huh. didn't find the other two. Interesting that they never found them. Yeah. So... May that following year. So I guess we're in 66 now. Okay. They went to trial and the jury deliberated for two hours and found Ian guilty of three murders and Myra guilty of two. Um, The death penalty had been abolished and the judge passed the only sentence he could, which was life imprisonment. The judge said that the murders were truly horrible and accused them of being two sadistic killers of the utmost depravity. Fuck yeah. He recommended they spend a very long time in prison before being considered for parole. He called in, he called it wicked beyond belief and said he saw no reasonable possibility of reform for Ian. He did, however, say that once Myra was removed from Ian and his influence, she might be able to reform. But I think that's a cop out. It is a cop out, and it's he made playing, her choices. Yeah, it's playing to that whole and just a girl shit. That's like I couldn't possibly be capable of doing this on my own, right? Bullshit. So, and I know what you're thinking: why only two or three three victims? But at the time, they had only known about the three children. And years later, the couple confessed to the other two children's murders. Mm-hmm. But it was determined, and he's like Ian said, "I can take you to where the other bodies are." Right. But that never ended up happening. They never got the other two, and um, they said that uh, they determined that they were already serving the highest sentence possible so Mm -hmm. they didn't want to go through another lengthy costly trial right so i think everyone knows you know like through confession and through the missing bodies and everything else that clearly they are to blame for all these children um but it wasn't worth it to go to trial so right if they're already serving life I get it. Yeah. 
the couple was linked to other missing children in the area. Um, but nothing came of that, like I said. And Myra ended up dying in November of 2002 of bronchial pneumonia because of her chain smoking addiction. And Ian died of restrictive pulmonary disease in May of 2017. They say it, but good. Yeah, they lived a long life in prison, though. At least locked up. And they couldn't be together taking pictures and killing And And in 1987, Myra... Because Myra went in saying she didn't do any of these things and was just there helping. Right. But in 1987, she ended up confessing to like her sister and other folks that, yes, she did participate in the murders um, and wasn't just a standby. She didn't just aid and abet. She participated in everything. Right. Um <clears throat> And this case has been dramatized on television twice in See No Evil, The Moore's Murders, and the award-winning Longford. I did watch See No Evil. It's a three-part series. Yeah, I've seen that. I I haven't even heard of the other one. I haven't even... I haven't even... Words are hard, (laughs) y'all. I have not heard of Longford. (laughs) It might be a Brit show, you know? Ooh, yeah. And I don't pay extra for those, even though I want to. I had those streaming services back at the other house. They're on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, you can pay extra for like BBC shows. Yeah. And that's where I got See No Evil, was on. Damn it. Amazon Prime. Yeah. But it, they were streaming it on Freezy or Freevee. Okay. Um, there's also a book called The Lones- Loathsome Couple mm-hmm. by Edward Gorey in 1977, which was inspired by the Moore's murders. That's a hell of a last name. Yeah. Gorey. Gorey. I like it. Um, there is... The Manchester band, The Smiths. Whoop, whoop. If you know who they are, then you're good. But they um, wrote a song called Suffer Little Children from, hmm. from this case. Yeah. So that's you. Yeah. But a great band. Uh, great band. Yes. Um, according to the 2020 television documentary, Rose West and Myra Hindley, their untold story with Trevor McDonald, Hindley and another British serial murderer, Rosemary West, which I know nothing about. And I'm going to have to go research her. Yeah. Um, they grew close in jail, bonding over their similar crimes, then had an affair, which cooled as they became rivals to be prison royalty. Okay. What? What? similar crimes yeah that's why i gotta you have to look into that one i will not i'll let you handle that i'm gonna write down rosemary rosemary west definitely add it to your list so sometimes when we do our cases we really go into rabbit holes and this one was a rabbit hole it was also one of the worst cases of modern day and they are awful human beings but 
interesting nonetheless. Well, it's always interesting looking into like the fuck led them to be this kind of person. I know. But this one, honestly, to me, like it sounds a lot like nature and nurture. So a nice mix. Yeah. I just their lives, honestly, like nothing sounded so heinous to cause them to do such heinous things. And right. specifically, not just murdering kids, but raping them. I know. The sexual assaults, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. Ugh. They're despicable. Mm-hmm. I, for one, I'm glad they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Less evil in the world. Yeah. But we're breeding more. Oh, yeah. always always (sighs) it's always stuff but yeah so (sighs) I really like the I didn't know I was gonna get the background just saying I think I'm gonna I think you should do that more often I really like it yeah I usually just have a blank white (laughs) I forgot to to show off my candle Dang it! In my last episode, I meant to show it off because nice. the same summer box. I just saw it. And I was like, "Oh, it's coffee bean scented." Wow! And it's so yummy smelling. I bet it I sniffed it delicious. and I was like, oh, "That's straight coffee. It's so good." Fit some more. All right, Is that all we got. <sighs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, y'all. I hope that all of you out there make good uh, choices. Yeah, don't make the same choices that they made. Oh, no. Yeah, but check out our website, y'all, crimecoffeeandcrafts.com, even though I think I have it in our in our little <laughs> whatever thing. Our outro. 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 Yes. Uh, yes. But yeah, check it out. We've got cool shit. We do, we do. And, and we're ever growing. We're constantly yeah. new ideas and... Hopefully you guys just continue to listen and love us. And spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your siblings, tell your coworkers, tell everyone. Anyway, we love you until next time. Ta-ta. For now. Thanks for listening to Crime, Coffee, and Crafts. If you love our podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This helps us more than you know. If you really love us and want to support us, go to our website at www.crimecoffeeandcrafts.com. From there, you can join our Patreon, shop our merch, and find us on social media.